found out that a famous person that you respect and admire was going to visit you at your house in exactly one month, how would you prepare for their arrival? Would you maybe push off the majority of your preparation until the week or even the days leading up to their arrival? Your house could look and actually be as clean as possible than if you dusted and vacuumed everything right away. Would you maybe buy all of the food that you were going to prepare either the day before or the morning of so that everything could be as fresh as possible as well? But if you knew this person was going to come and visit you in exactly one month on this future date, is this maybe what your preparation would look like? Well, how would your preparation for their arrival change if instead of knowing that they're going to come in exactly one month, all you knew is that they were going to come on some random day during the next year, on a day that's completely unknown to you? Would your preparation for their arrival maybe look a little different? Instead of pushing off your preparation until the right time or until the, the days leading up to their arrival, you'd probably start preparing right because you wouldn't know if they were going to come that next day or not. And to top it all off, you'd probably also be in a constant state of preparation, making sure each and every day that everything was orderly, organized, and ready for their arrival. Well, this constant preparation that's spurred on by an unknown date is actually the very kind of preparation that Jesus desires for all of his followers to have when it comes to the day of his return. Because in the past, Jesus spoke a promise to his disciples telling them that the day of his return is coming. And in connection with this promise, Jesus also had this to say. But no one knows the day or hour when this will be. Not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. And in speaking these words, Jesus desires for his followers to constantly be prepared for the day of his arrival. But the thing with this promise from Jesus is that these words were spoken about 2,000 years ago. So is there a part of you that scoffs at the idea that now is the time to be prepared for his return? how long it's been, does it maybe seem like something's wrong with this promise? Has God completely forgotten about it? Or has God changed his mind about the promise? And if God is going to keep the promise, well, is now the time to prepare for it? I mean, it's been thousands of years, so what are the odds that the, the promise is going to be fulfilled soon? Or what are the odds that the promise is even going to be fulfilled during our life? I mean, it sure just seems like things are going to continue in the exact same way as they always have. So is now really the time to be prepared for the day of Christ's return? The thing with thoughts like this, which neglects Jesus' promise to return, is they really give evidence to the sinfulness of our hearts. Because Jesus has given us a clear promise, telling us to be prepared, telling us that the day is coming, and yet we can fail to wholeheartedly trust and believe in this promise, and can fail to properly prepare in the way that Jesus desires us to. These sinful thoughts which can sprout up in our hearts, 
are nothing new. In fact, these thoughts are almost as old as Jesus' promise itself, which we see in the verses before us this morning, where we see Peter writing a letter to a congregation that he had already formerly written a letter to. In his first letter to this congregation, he wrote to encourage them to endure their intense sufferings by focusing them on Christ. But now in his second letter, 2 Peter, Peter is now writing to encourage these Christians to remain in the truth of God's word against false teachers that rob them of their salvation. One way these false teachers might rob them of their salvation was by denying the second coming of Christ. And the reason for denying this is because it had already been three decades since Jesus had initially given the promise, leading them to doubt that Christ was ever going to return. They were assuming that things were just going to continue in the exact same way as things have always gone on in the past. So Peter, in the verses before us this morning, addresses these sinful notions that were present back then and which are present today even in our hearts. So, by reminding us that while the day hasn't come yet, it will. So be prepared for it. And Peter begins, And do not forget this one thing, dear friends, for the Lord one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like one day. The Lord is not slow to do what he promised, as some consider slowness. And right away, Peter tears down the main argument brought on by these false teachers who are claiming that if Jesus was going to come, then he already would have done so. But what these false teachers failed to realize is that time is perceived differently by God than it is for us. For man, a thousand years seems like a very long time, whereas a day is a short amount of time. But for God, these two Time differences really make no difference to him. Uh, for God, there really is no difference in his mind. So God hasn't forgotten about his promise, Peter was telling these Christians. It's not as though he's ignoring what's going on in this world. And while it seems like God is being slow to carry out his promise, he's actually being patient. And his patience is serving a beautiful purpose. He's patient for your sakes, not wanting anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. Do you see how Peter completely flips the arguments of the false teachers? They were claiming that God's apparent slowness was a bad thing. But Peter makes it clear that he's actually being patient, and this is serving to benefit his congregation. That God doesn't desire a single one of his elect to be lost, which would be the case if Christ returned too soon. So God is patient so that all of his elect can be prepared for the final day by being brought to repentance. Repentance is such a key word that Peter uses in our verses here, so it's important for us to fully understand what he's talking about. Repentance is a spiritual state in which a person will first 
recognize that the things they do in their lives are, are sinful and contrary to God's word. It will feel anguish over these things that have gone against God's word and then will then desire to no longer fall into these things ever again. And second, repentance then consists of focusing and fixing one's eyes on Christ and trusting, seeing, and believing in one's savior from sin. This is what it means to be prepared for the final day. And the amazing thing about living a life of repentance is that this isn't something that we work up in ourselves. This is actually something that God himself accomplishes in each and every one of us. That God, through his means of grace, works faith in our hearts to lead us to live these lives of repentance. That through the waters of your baptisms, through your continued hearing of the gospel message, and through your continued receiving of the Lord's Supper, God has planted, created, and strengthens the faith that he has placed into your heart, leading you to have a desire to no longer fall into the sins that stain your life, and focusing and fixing your eyes on Christ as your Savior. But that's not all God has done. Not only has he worked in you this heart of repentance, God has also worked in you a heart of patience. A heart of patience that knows that God is truly going to fulfill his promise to fulfill Christ's return to this earth and that he is going to do so at the perfect time. And we can know this. Because this is exactly what God has done in fulfilling his promise to send to the Savior. And from the time God first initially gave the promise all the way back in the Garden of Eden, thousands of years had passed until Christ was hanging on the cross and until Christ rose from the grave for God's stamp of approval proclaiming that he had truly reigned victorious over our greatest enemy. And throughout all of those years, those thousands of years, there were all kinds of situations that made it seem like God had completely forgotten about his promise to send the Savior. There were so many situations that made it seem like God was going to change his mind for so many different reasons. And yet what God was actually doing was working through all of these thousands of years to not only make sure that he was going to fulfill the promise to send a Savior, but to accomplish this promise at the perfect time. When Jesus would enter the world to live the perfect life, to suffer at the hands of the religious leaders and be placed on the cross so he would die the very death that he needed to, to win forgiveness for the sins of the world. Because God has done that with his promise to send a Savior, we can know that God is going to do the same thing with his promise of Christ's return. Knowing that God is going to bring and fulfill this promise at the perfect time. But until the day comes, we know that God is being patient. Continuing to gather all of his elect. Working through his means of grace to gather all of his elect into the care of his hand. So that you, me, and so many others can be prepared by God himself for when this day comes. And since God has this goal in mind, that once he gathers all of his elect into the care of his hand, that this is when the final day is going to come. Well, as Peter continues, he reminds this audience that the day is truly coming. 
And when it does, it is going to be sudden. So now is the time to be prepared for. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. On that day, the heavens will pass away with a roar. The elements will be dissolved as they burn with great heat. And the earth and what was done on it will be burned up. The day is truly coming, Peter was telling his audience. It's going to be so sudden that once it comes, there's going to be no time for someone to suddenly come to repentance. And this really has something to say to both unbelievers and believers. For unbelievers, it's really a warning that once this day comes, that's it. And for believers, it's a warning to not get distracted by the things of this world that can take our focus off of the things that truly matter. Really, Peter is encouraging Christians to remain focused. And so as Peter continues, he encourages his audience to live them to live, to be who God has made them. Therefore, since all these things will be destroyed, what kind of people ought you to be living in holiness and godliness as you look forward to and hasten the coming day of God? That day will cause the heavens to be set on fire and destroyed and the elements to melt as they burn with great heat. But according to his promise, we look forward to new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Since the earth is going to be cleansed in this way, Peter poses a really important question for this congregation to consider. And that's to look at their lives and examine themselves to see how they should live. And Peter answers that question for them, telling them that they should live their lives in holiness and godliness. Peter is urging them to continually examine themselves to see if their lives were lived in accord and in line with God's word and in line with God's will. But Peter also encourages his audience to do something else. He urges them to look forward to the last day as they continue to examine themselves in this present age. Because looking ahead to the last day will keep them focused on the goal that God himself has for them. That God's goal to bring all of his elect to repentance so that he can bring all of them to their eternal home in heaven. A place that God himself has prepared for his elect. A place where there is no sadness, suffering, sickness, or pain. A place of perfection, holiness, comfort, peace, and joy. And looking forward to this day isn't some wishful thinking. Looking forward to this day is a certainty because it's a clear promise from God that all of his members could know would certainly be fulfilled. And since God would certainly fulfill this promise, well, Peter concludes, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless. Spotless and blameless. And the word spotless that Peter uses here is really talking about a cloth that has no stain on it at all. And blameless is really talking about a person that is a completely clean legal record. With these two words, Peter was telling his audience to be found completely holy, perfect, and without a single sin staining their lives on the day of Christ's return. 
And there is only one way that anyone can be found in this way when this does come. And that's not by looking at their lives and seeing, hoping that you've lived a perfect enough life. It's by looking to the work that Christ himself has accomplished for us. Peter was telling this congregation and us to focus on Christ above everything else because it's through Christ alone that we find the hope of our salvation. Peter was telling us to focus on what truly matters. Which is easier said than done, especially at this time of the year. It seems like the hecticness of the Christmas season can distract us with so many other things, with Christmas parties, travel plans, decorating, baking, cooking, getting ahead on work so that you can actually enjoy the holiday season. There are so many things at this time of the year that can take up our focus and try to distract us from the true meaning of the Christmas season. So as we get ready for Christmas to come, well, let's take Peter's words to heart and refocus ourselves on what truly matters as we look forward to the day of Christ's return. But the day of Christ's return is truly coming. And while we don't know when this day will be, we know it's a day that we need and want to be prepared for. And now is the time for us to prepare. Now is the time for us to live the holy lives that God has called us to live. It means living the lives of repentance he's called us to live. Turning away from the sins that stain our lives and focusing on Christ our Savior. Focusing on the one who has made us holy and blameless. Focusing on the one who has already fully and freely prepared us for the day of his return. Amen. Now may the peace of God which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.